Welcome to the Jungle Brothers podcast. I'm your host, Joey, and today I'm joined by Pedro Garcia, the owner and operator of Jungle Five Doc. Today we talk all about his journey since joining the Jungle Alliance and what that's been like for him opening his gym right here in Sydney. We also go into one of his greatest passions, which is capoeira, and he takes us on a journey teaching us about the origins of the martial art and how that's brought him to be the longtime capoeira practitioner that he is today and how it's something that he now offers at his gym alongside his jungle programs. Hope you enjoyed today's chat. If you've ever thought about opening your own gym or if it's something that you're thinking about maybe in the future, you will definitely take a lot from this. Let's get into it. Hey, before we get into the episode, I would like to ask a favor. If you like this podcast, you enjoy the episodes and you think that we're doing a good thing, one thing that you could do that would be really helpful for us is to simply subscribe to our podcast on whichever platform you're listening to because that'll tell the algorithm that it's a show worth listening to and then it will tell more people about it. So go ahead and hit that subscribe button and please enjoy today's episode. First time on the podcast. Very good. Bro, talk to me about, um, I guess I'd like to jump in at the beginning. The I'm going to give a little intro to you and, you know, Jungle 5 Doc and that whole piece. Um, I'll do that after. So people that are hearing this will have already, you know, got a bit of context around who you are and the, the part you play in this greater story. Um, talk to me about your origins in training in Brazil. Did it start with capoeira? Yes, it did. So... I started capoeira at age 12, and I practiced it for three years. So I was a yellow belt. I had my first grading in 1997. Right on. And I still have that T-shirt. And it's really, really good momentum that I hold dear to. Um, I trained for three years and then got busy with high school, and I stopped for a long, long time. Over high school, I did gym training, strength training, um, as m- many folks do, uh, just average. And then when I came to Australia, that's when I found Capoeira again. Mm. Yeah. So it was already a decade later and started training Capoeira again. Also going to the gym, but not to a high standard level, I would say. So it was, Capoeira was very recreational. And it was, oh, it's my activity, it's, it was a hobby. Right. Right, it was a hobby for several years. In Brazil, is capoeira like a, is it kind of like you might play soccer or you might do tennis or you do capoeira? Or is it seen as like, I suppose here in a way, martial arts and sports are perhaps, like they, they're kind of the same, they're recreational activities, but you could also see them as two different things. One's a sport, you're playing, one's a martial art, there's discipline, there's all those parts. Is it, where does capoeira sit? in terms of that in Brazil? That's a great question because capoeira has been overcoming a lot of barriers in society over the last decades. You wouldn't be able to see capoeira in schools for many years. There was very few schools that would have capoeira in their curriculum, for example, with qualified instructors recognized by high-level schools and groups actually teaching the children in that school in that particular discipline right so that was that is something that has grown heaps over the years <clears throat> back in the days i would say in the 90s there was a lot of people training capoeira and it was it, w- it would be something very recreational i would say and still there are some things in other martial arts that don't have in capoeira and also capoeira have many things that don't have in other martial arts and even when it comes to children and individuals to become disciplined to bring that discipline that formality as you would have in judo jiu-jitsu to before you come to the mat and you bow so we don't have that formality in capoeira and yeah. it's something that it's a very Brazilian I, art in yeah, that it's, way. It's, it's, yes, there is some, it's a bit casual, right? And when it comes to a school format, I recognize the value of that formality. 
know, to have these these formalities, the the values to be explained to to the students. What are the expectations? What is it? Because otherwise, it becomes really messy very quickly, especially when it comes to children, right? So, how can we establish a um, the ground rules from the beginning on that student's journey, right? So, establish that culture. It's yeah, really that cool. that's something we talk, we throw around a bit. Uh, we discuss because relevant to uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, right? My my thing. It's a pretty unstruck. Like it has some formality. Maybe it's a step above capoeira, right? Like I bow when I step on the mats. I bow when I step off. I greet my my instructor first. But most gyms don't worry about. Like some gyms worry about. It, a lot of gyms don't. Right. You just step on the mat. If you need to leave, go to the toilet. Go do it. You know, it's kind of that sort of thing. Okay. Um, whereas any of the more traditional martial arts, right? Whether it's Chinese like kung fu or it's more Japanese things like like judo. Um, very formal, extremely formal. And yeah. personally, I like kind of what you're saying. I, I've always liked, I like the formality because it's a contrast to what our lives are like. It gives you a place that is structured and disciplined and there's something kind of enriching about spending time in that environment. Absolutely. To have these these formalities even for the adults, right? Some people may arrive late because they got stuck at work or stuck in traffic and they won't step into the class before being acknowledged by the instructor. So they will wait on the side, the instructor is coaching a movement or explaining something, then they gotta wait on the side and then they raise their hand, say, oh, can I come, right? And then they will be then welcomed into the training session. Yeah. Yeah, it's very valuable. So when it comes to adults, there is a bit more formality as well. Yeah, which is good. So capoeira was your thing early on, then you took a big break from it. When you when you got into it, how would you say you were thirteen? I was twelve. Twelve. Okay. When you got into it, were you? What were you looking for in it? Were you like something that I can do, a bit of a recreational thing? Was it the acrobatic stuff? You're like, fuck that shit looks cool. I want to learn it. Was it? I'm guessing. Yeah. I mean, for me, the acrobatic part is what stands out. What spoke to you? The cool moves. So yeah. you see, you see the acrobatic, the acrobatic movements in such a rich ritual. So there's so much going on. It's very complex, but and beautiful, and crafty. So all those combinations, the flow, the movement, that's what spoke to my heart straight away. And I had some mates also that joined at the same time. So we were hanging out with friends, spend those extra hours with your mates and learn together, progress together. We had the gradings together. So it's a, it's a good, it was a very good journey. At that time, and I'm, I'm going to, after this sort of little piece, I'll, I want you to tell us sort of what it is and where it comes from because I think it's probably should have gotten that context first for, for people listening that aren't so familiar with it. But it involves music. It involves community. It involves um, singing. Uh, were those elements attractive to you at that age or was it like, I just want the sick moves. That also attracted me. And I remember a specific episode that happened and I was 14, 13, 14, and considered a beginner still, when I was holding one of the beating bows, the main instrument of capoeira, and the hoda had a break, the circle that we had, we had to stop. And then when it was going to start again, the master at the time told someone to take over the beginner myself, right? So I asked, can someone take the, the beating bar from that boy there? And then my instructor at the time said, no, master, let the boy. I said, okay. So I, was I, I, was already, I was already competent in the musical instrument right. too. And there was like such a big boost. I was like, okay, well, moment of responsibility. I better not mess it up. Status. So, yeah, so it was really cool, really cool. Like two years in Capoeira. It was very nice. It was, it was a really remarkable moment in my memory. Yeah. So going back to what you mentioned about the story, the history of Capoeira is something so rich. And in many occasions, it, it's not get, get spoken enough of. So to be very quick... Something hard for me. <laughs> you could talk about this all day, you know. So, very quickly, so capoeira was created in Brazil by the African people. So, was it born in Africa or born in Brazil? Who created it? 
It was created in Brazil by the African people out of a necessity. Portugal was co was colonizer of Brazil. Brazil was a colony from Portugal, and Portugal also had heaps of colonies alongside Africa. And when they discovered, quote, yeah, uh, Brazil, so there was a lot of plantation farms, and they shipped all the a lot of like something around 20 million, as records would say, African people, slaves, slaves as yeah. slaves as as products yeah they would get to the brazilian shore commodity. and be sold like commodity yes yeah and they would go to the farms live work day and night so we don't need to go on so much about the slave life and we all know it's not a pleasant lifestyle and then there was one moment during the week that they would have some free time where they would do the african rituals with the drumming with the music with clapping with dancing And the gods would not give a shit about it because, oh, they're just doing the thing, you know? So that's when they, so look, the, God, the gods are not watching us. So that's when the necessity of fighting from that situation, the captivity, the slavery, to break away from that. I say, we disguised the fight within the dance. So that's the origins of Capoeira. Capoeira, the name Capoeira, one of the theories would say that Capoeira is the short grass where they used to do their African rituals, the dance, and train the fight. So they learned their moves, blended in the dance, and got good at it for the guards and escaped. Then the runaway slaves would start the little settlements in the village, in like little villages in the bush, and then come back and rescue more slaves. Wow. And then these little villages became so big, up to 30,000 people. That was actual cities with structure and everything that resisted army attacks for years. Because it'd be ongoing conflict years. between the slave owners and the... Exactly, because yeah. they, wanted, they wanted their property back. Yeah. And people really going for uh, all the runaway slaves searching for these... Um, how do you say, secluded locations in the bush. These name of these locations were called Quilombo. So the Quilombos were uh, these, these communities that were created in the bush for the run, from the, created by the runaway slaves. Uh -huh. Yeah. Wow. So tell me then, the, the fighting element of it, it was a, they were using it as a way to, main, like, to develop their ability to defend and attack? Like that, that, was that essentially the thing? It was like, hey, we need to be, we need to be strong. We need to be coordinated. People need to know how to kick ass, so that we can, f you know, whatever fight against these slave owners. That was essentially what it was born out of. Absolutely, capoeira is the fight of freedom. Yeah, right. Capoeira is the fight of freedom, and it was created out of a necessity to break free from that situation, that prison that they found themselves. Wow. It got different contexts throughout the centuries, throughout the years, as... How far back are we talking <clears throat> for this? We're talking about 400 years ago. Okay. Yeah. So slavery was, ab slavery was abolished in Brazil in 1888. Okay. So it, it's not that long ago. No. Right? So it started having a different <clears throat> context in around that time as well. Because slavery was abolished, but majority of the slaves were getting paid very little to do the same job. And many of and then people started going to the big cities. Now, oh, now we're free, let's go to the big cities, but no reading, no writing skills, no much job offers. So many became- still the inherent racism that's often absolutely. in so such a those, culture. Yeah, so from anywhere ranging from thugs or security, The capoeiristas, right? The capoeiristas would be um, security. Even a uh, royal family had capoeiristas that were security wow. agents, security guards from them, yep. for them. Um, then you would have, um, how do you call debt collectors. You'd have thieves and criminals, all, all sort of criminals. Many, so many slaves became criminals because... They had to survive. Yeah. Right? And then the African people, so 
what do we do? So they used to have to practice capoeira. was not a, a martial art. It was a cultural thing that was a cultural manifestation that was passed on from generation to generation, always verbally. And with with movement. always verbally. Orally, yeah. Or yeah. Because it had to stay somewhat discreet. Yeah, there was there's very little document mm. right, about it. So and it was illegal. So okay, the slaves have this the, the the former slaves now, the free folk, they have this thing that they do and it's dangerous. So if they get caught doing it, it's six months in prison plus fifty lashes. And if they're a master or the leader of the group, it's double the penalty. Right. Yeah. So that was, and we're talking about uh, 120 years ago, like around the 1888 until 1930s. It was like 50 years or so. Okay. Yeah. So everything changed. Everything changed. And giving another part of history in capoeira was when capoeira was recognized as a national sport. And that happened thanks to a gentleman called Mestre Bimba. Yeah, his name is Manuel dos Reis Machado. He was born in 1899. And he was one man that started teaching capoeira disguised. He changed the name of capoeira. He called it Bahia Regional Fight. Some, some people will argue that are different names to that school that he had. And it's okay. <laughs> it's different records, different documents saying different yeah. things. And we would have... Capoeira being taught in a closed venue for the first time ever, because before it was always on the streets. Right. And then you will have this gentleman teaching people right next to the University of Salvador. And then wealthy folk and knowledgeable folk. So these guys helped him to elaborate a curriculum, a booklet, a course of Capoeira with a series of sequences and written down detailed as a transferable skill. So that was the first curso de capoeira regional, the capoeira regional course. So that's the name of the capoeira regional, which is one style of capoeira that was created by Mestre Bimba. Okay. This particular man who is the master of our master, Mestre Camisa. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And so I'm supposing uh, similar to jiu-jitsu, there's a lot of different lineages Correct. Do they all go back to any central place? Like, yes. Yeah? Yes. Mestre Bimba or somebody else? The capoeira tradicional, né, the traditional capoeira, was also uh, also called capoeira angola. Uh-huh. This, I've heard this term. Yes, capoeira angola is very rich. Very rich in rituals, in valleys. It's amazing. Which speaks to its African heritage, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And... Capoeira Regional does too, because what Mestre Bimba did, I would dare to say, people, if they want to criticize this, okay, uh, whoever listens to this, it's fine. And you know what, um, what happened originally from the Japanese jiu-jitsu, and then it was adapted into Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It's mm -hmm. different. Yeah. They trace back to the same, but there are different elements to it. So totally. I don't want to do a direct comparison about it because Mestre Bimba utilized of different elements as well. So capoeira originally was created of multiple elements of different tribes, different people from Africa with many different martial arts combined from each region. Yeah. There was a grappling fight. There was a kicking fight. There was a punching fight that these guys from different regions together, they blended and made it a rich thing that it is. And then with Mestre Bimba, his father was a champion of a fight called Batuki, which involved more, a lot of kicking, more like strong kicks. So the Capoeira Angola, very rich as well, and also very treacherous. The disguise in everything is there. The malicia, when you talk, which is like the malice. Yeah, right, now malicious. You, it looks like the guy is drunk, but he knows exactly what he's doing. Right. You know, he's tricking you in every way, and it's part of the game, and it's beautiful to see and to play, right? I see this, I mean, I see this <coughs> even in the capoeira that I experienced at your gym. Yeah. Because it's all smiles. 
You know, yeah. it's all happy and good times. But <laughs> of course, beneath that is the desire to, to, you know, it's not necessarily a win-lose type thing, but there's a desire to win, right, in a way, or to show what you have. And I can imagine as the intensity increases, the smile's still there, but the competitive spirit lies beneath. That's very true. It's always there. The playfulness. Yeah. Right? So when you, when, then you, when you bring to a Capoeira Regional context, <coughs> Mestre Bimba brought Capoeira to a, let's say, more martial aspect. So the Capoeirista was more standing up rather than going more on the floor, even though there are floor movements. And also, uh, in his booklet, he developed a self-defense system including capoeira. I'd like to talk about that too. Please. Uh, <clears throat> remind me if I forget. So, when then Master Bimba, what he did was really making capoeira more effective as a martial art aspect. Right. So, what he did, he also did around the 1930s, I reckon, he challenged in Bahia any fighter from any discipline, from any martial art to the UFC of the day in the public in the public square. Right. I say, okay, come here, whoever you are, from whatever art form or martial art that you do, I will, I'll, he challenged everybody, and he won all his fights. Wow. <laughs> Back in the day. Yeah. So yeah, the man was a a, a really he, he he's a very strong icon. That's uh, you know I'm sure you're familiar somewhat with the story of jujitsu, and the the Gracie challenge. Yeah. You know, which was a very similar thing. They're like, mm -hmm. hey, you know, we'll take on any, any, um, you know, any challenger and we'll beat them. And if, and if you can beat us, we'll give you 100,000 reais. Uh, it was a great marketing tool, right? But that, you know, and that, like the fact that Mr. Bimba did, did that and just this kind of, um, this sort of prize fighting public yeah. challenge thing, does a lot of that tie back into like the Vale Tudo roots of Brazil, like the, the sort of mixed martial arts? Like, where does that culture come from? Or is that just kind of what times were like back then where, you know? Yeah, that's, that's such a good question. I, I would not dare to answer in full, like, because I, I cannot trace it back. Yeah. Because there was no media. There was no, I don't think there was prize money. The capoeiristas, they used to fight for the basking money. Right. So that's another part of the rich history of capoeira. When the acrobatics, when capoeira was uh, considered free uh, or considered legal, so people started basking, and that's when a lot of the acrobatic movements started coming into play. Because the tourists love right. the, love the yes, flips. Show me exactly. the flips. So there was a lot of that, and then the different groups. Let's say there was two different groups that used to do basking in the same area, and then they would get a huddle together. They would put all the takings in one handkerchief and they would fight over that handkerchief. Ah, wow. But you could only get the handkerchief with your mouth. Right. So the, the handkerchief is on the, ground, on the ground and you're doing the thing and you got to try and pick it up. Correct. And not get kicked in the face or stomped or... Or stabbed. Right. <laughs> Stabbing was a part of the thing? Yeah, there was a lot of navalha. Navalha. No. It's like the... How do you call the The blade from the barber. Oh, like a razor blade. Razor blade, yeah. Yeah, There's right. Lots of razor blades in back in the day. <laughs> I told you remember that story I told you when you, when we first met here at the gym about the kid that I the kid that I met on the street in Salvador. Yes. This yes, this for me like so you know I'd had some experience I'd seen some stuff about capoeira and I'd been traveling in Brazil and obviously through jiu-jitsu had a had a you know a reasonable surface level understanding of what Brazil's like and Bahia which is the state in the north right which was was the epicenter of the slave trade was it not or Salvador was Salvador was one of the epicenters of capoeira so right Bahia, yeah Salvador Recife and Rio de Janeiro okay yes so and, these and are the three main places where capoeira was practiced and then they they disguised it in different ways Samba in Rio de Janeiro was a disguise for capoeira Okay, the, wow. The frevo up north was a disguise for capoeira. What's that, a, a form of dance? Yeah. Oh, wow. You're seeing the carnival there. Yeah. And the carnival in Salvador was also the, the, the micareta or the, the different steps that you see was always, always a disguise. Holy shit. Yeah. 
But yeah, so I, I, when I arrived in Salvador, I was, I was walking through a part, like through the downtown and people had told me like, be careful there, you know, like watch yourself sort of thing. And I remember this kid, uh, this kid came up to me, you know, and he, he was a street kid, no shoes, no shirt, just a pair of shorts. He's like, hey, mister, you know, whatever. I told him, hey, man, I don't really speak Portuguese. And he's like, you know, he could speak a bit of English. And he's like, buy me, you know, buy me something, buy me some, you know, give me some money or whatever. And I said, oh, I'll buy you, I'll buy you some food, you know. People would be like, don't give the street kids money. Like, they're going to buy drugs. You know, there's a, whatever. It's yep. like when you're in any place where there's a lot of disadvantaged folk, there's strong opinions about, you know, yeah. how you should act and whatever. Anyway, the kid was like, I heard the kid say, buy me some milk. He said it in Portuguese. And I was like, yeah, I'll buy you some milk. And what he was actually saying was buy me some milk powder. And so I said, all right, well, take me to the shop and I'll buy it for you versus me giving him the money. So we, he took yeah. me to a chemist. And he grabbed the tin of milk powder. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I bought him the milk powder. He got me pretty good because it was pretty expensive. It was a big tin. But I was like, whatever. Like, I can buy this fucking milk powder for the kid. Gave him the thing. Uh, had a little conversation with him. I was like, what do you do? And he's like, oh, I'm out here like every day. I do capoeira, blah, blah. And in my mind, I judged this kid. I'm like, of course he says he does capoeira. He's, he's, a, he's a black kid here in Salvador. I'm a tourist. And he's telling me the story, you know. Oh, I do capoeira. I practice all the time kind of thing. Anyways said goodbye part of ways i traveled around i i can't remember how long it was after but i ended up back in salvador like six weeks later wow and i'm walking down the street i was with a friend of mine this time and the kid comes up again the kid's like hey mister can i have some money and buy me something <laughs> and i was like do you f i was like do you remember me kid and he's like yeah sure i remember you man what's going on kind of like he was really unimpressed you know and i was like he doesn't remember and i said to him hey man you still practicing capoeira and he said, yeah. And I was like, show me something. And we're walking, he's barefoot, walking alongside me. And this kid just throws out a no hands, like front flip from a right. walk, like not a run up, <laughs> not just boom, like pops up in the air, fully flips, <laughs> yeah. lands on his feet. Spring on their feet. I'm like, fucking awesome. <laughs> this kid's legit. Like I, I felt it was a real moment, a realization for me because I had kind of carried with me that little story of like when that kid fleeced me for the tin of milk powder and how, capoeira was part of his story but i'm like well, it obviously was to an extent you know mm -hmm. it was just very fascinating um that part of that part of brazil for me was i mean it's extremely rich like the the culture the people i mean all of brazil is in its own way but you feel it in that state and in that city salvador you know when people talk about it about like the slave trade, the disadvantage that has continued as a result of yeah. that since. It's, uh, it's almost like kind of a tangible sort of sentiment. Very much so. Every capoeirista needs to go to Bahia, needs to go to Salvador. It's, it's the heartland? It is one of the heartlands. It's very special. The connection with the culture is very deep there. Very, very important. I've been there like four times. Yeah, right. Yeah. And you're from you're from rio i'm from rio de janeiro yeah okay and so what's that like for you like being from another city for folks who don't know what's the kind of dis like if you were driving from rio to salvador how long are we talking in the car we're talking about nearly cans okay so big like Almost, multiple days yeah it would be two days two days yeah i'll dare to guess yeah it'd be two two and a half hour flight okay and what is that f like for you know being from your city to go up there culturally does it feel much different or are you like this is my people this is my place good point um it it feels very comfortable when yes it feels very comfortable you feel like a tourist because you don't know where things are yeah but the language speaking the language really helps and yeah like i felt really really good about it so going to places and speaking to the people in the shops restaurants on the streets okay. the markets yeah really comfortable very welcoming lovely it's, people it's, it's funny i asked that because yeah. i mean brazil's a big place yeah. right but i remember speaking with friends who are from not so much people from rio but i, I remember speaking with friends from uh sao paulo mm -hmm. and they were they were like oh be careful salvador like be careful and they're like, I've never been there, but you've got to be careful. Like, yeah. almost like it had this mystique to it. And for them, it was almost like a different country kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I guess in some ways it is, right? 
Yeah, you gotta be careful anywhere you go. <laughs> nature. You gotta, of course, you gotta be careful. You gotta be careful in São Paulo a lot. Fucking hell. Uh, I actually stop. found that city the most terrifying of all. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's the stories you hear from Rio, stories you hear from São Paulo. Yeah, there's heaps of stories. Stories anywhere. Yeah. In Sydney. <laughs> there are lots of stories. But at the, the point is, be careful wherever you go. You need to, yes. Uh, Know your boundaries. Always be aware who's behind you, who is around you, what part of the street you are. You know, this is basic basics. Um, well, also it's basics for you. True. And I tell you something. I think about a lot when I when I uh, when I walk around Sydney, and I cross paths with someone whose head is down, looking at their phone, walking mm. on the footpath, and Very I'm cool. like, man, like if I wanted to just like fucking. Knock you down, take your phone, steal it. Like if I if I needed that, if I had to do that, you you are so vulnerable right now. Like the fact that you're crossing paths with me and you haven't even like just noticed me, I'm like this is such a this is such a privilege that we have, you know. And I don't think it's a very healthy. True. It's a very yeah. unhealthy behavior, right? Because like for me, I grew up, you know, hanging around with some kids that were a bit rough, and if you weren't looking out, someone's gonna take your money or someone's gonna steal your shit, like. You had to always be on the lookout. So I yeah. found that that side of Brazil was like, okay, I get this. But I, you see people who have just grown up without ever having to consider that yeah. side of life. Yeah, that's true. Um, I, yeah, I, I think it's a really, um, yeah, I don't know. I find it very disappointing when I see that play out. Mm. That's true. Uh, just bringing up something I said, I'd like to talk about this before, about <coughs> the martial arts aspect of capoeira because a lot of folks will say oh but how do you use it in a real fight and a lot of people question that so do you fight do you dance capoeira well what, what is it you know so it's a good question exactly i get that asked a lot a lot so especially for the kids so is it a dance is it a fight essentially it's a game essentially so when we are in a school context capoeira is a game it's a game and the best way I can put it in a very simple and straightforward way is a game of questions and answers using your body. A kick is a question, a dodge is an answer. So I kick, if you don't get out of the way, it's going to catch, right? You, get the, you answered that wrong. <laughs> exactly. To an advanced level, there is contact. There will be contact, right? For, for beginners, people who are just learning, starting, we make it very safe. It can even be COVID safe because you can do it on the distance and you still get the movement, so the kick's coming and you dodge to the right direction, right? Sometimes the kick will trick you when they come from one side, but it's going to change. So and in every conversation, so it's a game of questions and answers, right? It's a conversation. And if you put a conversation, a conversation can be friendly, can become an argument, right? Mm -hmm. And then not every question is going to be as nice. It can yep. be a little bit rough. Some answers might also be a little bit yeah. Hush, you know, so it's yeah, it's it. exactly. Capoeira is a representation of life in all aspects you can imagine. The environment of the Hoda represents the will of life. The, the Hoda, for, for the folks who aren't aware, is the circle. It's Everyone the circle forms the, the circle and the training or the sparring, in a sense, yeah. happens inside of that. The Hoda is the, the essential part of Capoeira where all the elements of Capoeira bring together. Right. The Hoda of Capoeira listen to this carefully so it's not capoeira but the hoda of capoeira was recognized by unesco as human heritage of mankind of mankind heritage of it's an intangible heritage of mankind that's the right title back in 2013 i believe and no it's a huge privilege for capoeira not no other art form has been recognized as such and um, so, so, so arts, just arts. that aspect of it. The Hoda de Capoeira. Yes. Wow. And uh, why? What, what was it about the Hoda of Capoeira that gave it that status? The cultural manifestation, the social event, the gathering, the community aspect of it. In terms of its significance now to that culture? Or is this kind of looking back at its origins and where and it's been expressed. The representation of the origins, yes, of, yeah, the, okay. of the expression wow. of the art. Exactly. So going back to a 
it's a real fight situation aspect. Say, okay, so how do you use capoeira in a real fight? You're not gonna do a jinga, right? So how do, if you're in a real fight situation, do you gonna start jinga all of a sudden, start dancing in front of the guy? I said, man, really? No, of course not, right? So in a, how many? It, I would dare to to make a a quick joke here. How many jujitsu sparrings would start with you sitting on the floor? Yeah, a lot. Yeah. yeah. So, and we shake hands at the start. Exactly. So yeah. you're not gonna okay go to a real fight situation. Okay, let let me sit down here. And yeah. You sit down Come. there. And, yeah. No. <laughs> so it's not gonna happen like that. So exactly, you need to uh, be aware of the context yep. of each situation. So that's very important. So what all the elements of capoeira will help to will help the individual in a in a real situation the first thing dodge no be there just yeah. go away right yeah so distance management exactly so the first thing is you you are aware that you you can keep your distance and you know that you don't need to get involved in that situation right that's the first advice on self defense situation okay and the jinga which is the, the the dance or the stance of capoeira is constant movement the jinga goes back to the african origins and it's highly seen in soccer for example if you if anyone watched the Pelé film that is on netflix there is a moment that they talk about the african origins and talk and the older man talks about the jinga that comes from the African people, where you see the, when you see the soccer players that they have the ball, but then the feet are moving and you don't know where the ball is going to or the ball is coming from. Then you see, whoop, the ball has gone up your head. Yeah, you know, it's like that is jinga, right? You know, yeah. So it is embedded. It's this movement, rhythmic kind of correct footwork piece. Yeah, and the jinga will help you to dodge the situation. Will help you go under, go over if you have to, and most important those reflexes when you have to so yeah that is one only one aspect that capoeira can help an individual in a real life situation in a fight that makes sense you know yeah when when i was when i was watching some of you guys go for it right the the higher ranked students um the speed and the agility and and the power generation through this, through the like, through the momentum that you create, like when you see these multiple step things that result in, you know, a spinning kick or, like, there's so much, like, it's fucking dangerous, right? You can see how it could be used for great destruction. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, it's and and I think that's the. I mean, that's fucking awesome, right? If you, it, it's funny because we all, as martial artists, we all look at our art and want to make out like it's the most effective one. And you know, jujitsu's got a lot of great things going for it. But it's generally not particularly Absolutely. athletic, right? You know, and not to say a fight has to be athletic, but mm-hmm. being athletic, being explosive, agile, powerful—that's da- they're dangerous physical attributes. If you possess them and can use them well, mm-hmm. and so for any, any you watch any high-level capoeirista, and you're like, you can see those attributes. Yeah, and the game of capoeira is that is that show. It's for the audience. Yeah, it's 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 dangerous. But it's not violent. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's dangerous. It's aggressive. But it's not violent. Yeah. So you go, you're watching that game. Ooh, oh, the dogs go. <laughs> it gives that. It's exciting. You know, yeah. You go like, oh, my God. And then with a smile on the face, like, oh, yeah. look at him. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's so good. And then all of a sudden, boom, bum on the floor. And they go, oh, that's so funny. You know? <laughs> and they go, oh, look at that guy. Look, he's so good. <laughs> but if you close the face and you go for a straightforward hit the person oh my goodness look that guy you know he's so violent gets serious all <laughs> yeah. of a sudden yeah you see what i mean like yeah has that 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 effect on the on the crowd yeah on the people who are watching so you got to be really aware on how you play where you play who you play so everything involves you know so tell me let's let's transition now to uh, your sort of return to capoeira and I suppose what brought you to this point where we now, uh, you know, are working yeah, together. Yeah. How did, how did that play out? How did you go from, you know, you, uh, you're in Australia, 
when did the gym thing was that always a part of your like from when you got here were you always pushing weights and doing that thing so i used to go to the gym frequently at different stages of life i would go through the motions like most of the folks yeah right so yeah go to the gym six months here year there and then have a break and but capoeira was very consistent so i was always training capoeira consistently and then the other part that I was always fascinated by was gymnastics. So I, at some point, I started training gymnastics consistently for capoeira. So I wasn't so much training rings and bars. I was on the floor practicing the acrobatic stuff right. towards capoeira. Yeah. Right? And th th those were my main disciplines for many years. And... Then I realized, yeah, no, I'd like to get stronger. I would like to get um, more powerful, you know, to get more, get stronger, really. And that's when I started also getting, getting more in line with a bigger vision. I had already obtained, uh, I, had, I, I was at a Corda Azul, at a Blue Belt, Capoeira. Where does that sit in terms of capoeira ranking? Mm, in our school, the capoeira, the, the blue belt would compare to a black belt. So when you reach to a black belt, you also have all the, the dance above it, right? Yeah. So the, the blue belt is when you become a aluno graduado. You have graded. You've reached the end of your high school. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you're, kind of, you're ready for the world. Certain. So the blue represents the sea. Right? So, yeah, that's, that is the, um, the meaning behind it. So I was a blue the belt. Blue, blue is a big deal. Blue is a very big deal. Okay. Yeah, so you, you have um, great responsibilities there. And you can also, here in Australia at least, we could start working with capoeira. Right. Or start teaching, pass, pass the art form forward. Right, share with more people. And that was when I was getting more in line with a greater vision of what do I want for, for my life? What kind of impact do I want to have in the world? You know, so that was pretty deep stuff. <laughs> I went into a very um, deep personal discovery journey. And that was when I wanted to improve, first of all, my own self. I say I want to become a role model in this, and really getting in contact with my deepest values. What is my life mission? How do I want my life to be in twenty years' time? What kind of impact do I want to have in the world? And that's when I say, okay, yes, Capoeira is a big part of it, massive part of it, and I want to share this with as many people as I can. And this was the moment that I realized that for me to have more impact the fitness industry would be a good approach i'm like okay so that's when the gym thing started to to come across so i want to be really good at this too right i had good movements i had basic knowledge of most basic basic patterns of movement um, and qualifications Got, got them done quickly, not quickly, it takes you a year, and so did diplomas and everything else. So got into that and really driven to, to build something great. Right? And when you go through the, the formal qualifications, right, we have to develop projects and business plan and that kind of stuff. And I shared this with you. When I had that, I said, okay, so I developed the, the business program, the, the business plan, sorry, the business plan had the elements that I'm really passionate about, which are capoeira and other forms of martial arts, such as boxing, kickboxing, and Muay Thai, Jiu-Jitsu, calisthenics, gymnastics, yoga, animal movements, you know, all these disciplines combined. But it, didn't, I couldn't boil it down to three words <laughs> <laughs> at the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah, that was really cool when... So that started to take shape, right? 
the vision was there, but it didn't come across so so quickly. So as you as you put yourself into a direction, right? These synchronicities just happen, isn't it? You bump Sometimes, into, yeah. You bump into the right people at the right time. Yeah. So yeah, when you when you when you focus on that shit. Yeah, yeah. When you focus on it, so I was really really driven on it, really focused, and that was when where was it? It was in beginning of like one year ago exactly man one year it was 7th of february we had purchased the gym we had we, we bought an existing business it was for sale my wife and i pardon me oh good my wife and i decided i said okay let's invest in this so we we decided to buy a gym i said wow that took shape pretty quickly so before that i was training in my garage Right. We were just coming out of, I think, the second or third COVID lockdown. And I was recording my stuff from, from my garage, training like a crazy man <laughs> uh, with, by myself, you know, with a very good regime, very good discipline, excellent lifestyle. And, yeah, I was really happy with everything that I was living, you know, even in the lockdown. Lockdown was a... God forgive me, but it was uh, a blessing in disguise, you know, because as much as it was very hard and it was really tough and I really, I, well, I lost loved ones too. All of us lost loved ones too. And to be in my own company for such a long time and get in touch to be and have the chance to be quiet and connect with my deeper values and what is it that I want to create in the world that was when the opportunity came and actually living every day as I wish to live the rest of my life how is my dream life like and why, what am I waiting for to live like that and we didn't have to drive or traffic, get stuck in traffic anywhere so I was just I was really really focused on everything so it was great for that extent. And then when we had, um, when we decided to buy the gym, say great. And then we found ourselves in this gym, and it was, everything was kind of happening. We had members to deliver training programs to, and it used to be a boot camp um, style of training in there. We really transformed the gym over the next six months there, right? And still, the, the training style that we were bringing to the people there wasn't really turning me on. Right? I was trying to keep the legacy of the previous owner, and it, it wasn't driving me nuts. So it wasn't setting me on fire. Yeah. It makes sense, right? You've inherited these members. You're like, well, I've got to keep the thing going that they're here for. Yeah, that's right. So you, 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 you want to... There's a bit of that insecurity, like, oh, my God, what if I bring all these new stuff that I'd like to bring, but they don't like, and they go away? And <laughs> then I'm really fucked. Yeah, I'm really fucked. You know, i got bills to pay and the rent and all that. I'm like, yeah. shit. So if something goes really wrong... so. And that was when... It was a really good moment where when we met... When Fayon, Fayon, <laughs> hi Fayon. Shout out to Fayon. <laughs> Fayon Bilal. Yeah. up, Fayon Bilal now in Perth. Great fellas. They, well, they, they train in Capoeira with Flesha in Melbourne. And they're very, very great practitioners and coaches in their own realms as well. So Fayon and Bilal came up to Sydney. They came to, J, to JV's mm -hmm. here. They came to Jungle Botany. And they came to train Capoeira with me as well. It was on that moment where they connected us. So Fayon sent a message, oh, talk to Joey. And I was like, cool. And yeah, well, as soon as I had a look at the website and the social media and we had a chat with Dylan and everything. And by coincidence or not, Dylan had booked a trial to train Capoeira with us like two months ago. Amazing. Two months before that. Yeah. Right? I was like, wow, how, how is this? Like so random. Right? So... When we connected and started learning more about the jungle and how things are here, how 
the community aspect, the training methods. And I told you this before, when I saw fight, lift, move, this is it, you know? It was my business plan boiled down to three words, three spheres of practice, three disciplines that I'm very passionate about. And you guys had been doing this for ages. And the community is amazing. And the coaches are awesome. And this place is really cool. And the mentorship is like, wow, this is so much happening. Like, I really want to be a part of this. And it didn't take long for me to be training here on a regular basis, to do the courses, to really get in, get in a deep level of what is the jungle, right? So that's when, and, and, and very special, like it's really in line with what I like to train. Capoeira sits right there too. It's a big part of the training spheres. So the fight, the movement, and it was just so in line with everything that I hold dear. And the thinking, the values of longevity, of strength, of mobility, right? To move with confidence for the many years we have in this planet, right? So it was really, it was really that that sparked my eyes and set me on fire, set my heart on fire. I said, this is what I want to bring to people too. You know? That's so cool. <laughs> That's so cool. I remember when you showed me, was it Ubuntu? Yeah. That was the, yeah. the business, the name True. of your, yeah? I yeah, remember you showed, right. you were like, man, you got to see this. You got to see this. <laughs> we had some, some early catch-ups where I'd come over to your gym and uh, you were like, bro, I got to show you this thing. I wrote this thing a couple years before, right? And I was like, holy shit, this, this looks like a business plan that we would have written 10 years ago before we had, you know, sort of, refined and got a, the idea of jungle brothers had crystallized um but yeah that that sort of um the alignment was there man it was very it was a very interesting process we've just come off the back of your official launch at jungle five doc yeah right so you tell me this you did a soft opening was it november last year or december 5th of December was the soft opening. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, you know, you've, you've, you've been running the brand since then. You changed the name and have the systems and the programs in place. Paulie's over there a couple of days a week. He's like, you guys have got, it's going on now. But last Saturday was your like official opening, which was really fucking cool. It was amazing to be there. Um, but it's been a, it's been an incredible learning curve for us. Like I said to you in the beginning, I'm like, look, man, this is what the Alliance is. This is exactly what we want. We want to be able to empower you to go and build your community and take, you know, this brand and these values and, and do that thing in your space. But I was also like, it's early days for us. And there's a lot we haven't developed, you know, and you're like, I don't care, man, I'm in. I want it. <laughs> you were just super forward, you know. We're like, fuck, we can't say no to this guy. <laughs> but yeah, so it was wonderful, you know. It was a, it was a great, um, it was a very symbiotic you know, forming that very connection much. with you. Yeah, no, man, I feel very blessed, very privileged to, to be part of it and to be the first Jungle Alliance gym, in, especially in Sydney. Um, when we, yeah, so when we were planning everything, so how, how is it going to be, right? So it, was, it wasn't really... There was a lot of drive. I yeah. So the connection was there. The values were there. So that's why I wasn't so much. Um, I, I didn't hesitate, right? Because the other thing is that it was a learning curve for me, just as much for you guys. And in the same way that that, that I understand, because as you said, it's early days. Like. We're never gonna be ready. There's never, th there's never the right time. Yeah. So, I said. So, we we are learning as we as we go. Tell me in that. So, going back to when you're in that place of you have a. Are you good for time? By the way. Yeah. How are we? Yeah, it's are, are we good for time? Yeah. <laughs> um, when you're in that place, like you've you've bought this business, you're in this gym. 
it's not doing what you want it to do, right? I think this is a feeling that a lot of gym owners can, you know, or business owners can resonate with. It's like, mm. okay, for whatever reason, it's just not the fucking thing that I want this to be. What would, what would, ha- what have been like the top kind of, what have been the biggest reliefs or the biggest bits of help that, are, that you've received from joining the Alliance? Like, what were the pivotal things you're like, oh, fuck, I have that in place now? I reckon, yeah, no, um, that's very good because th- there's so much, there's so much involved, you know? Yeah, so but it's hard for me to remember what it was like to be in that place, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. What I think is most important to you now probably isn't, so, you know, which is why I ask. Yeah, so first of all, I'd say, the training programs it's something that is very inspiring right it's something that is challenging the training programs that you guys have provided that we are now bringing to the members for the last 12 weeks or so you know <clears throat> is different from everything you see in every other gym right it's and even if i were to create the program yes i could create something along the lines, but what you're providing, what the Alliance is providing is something that has already been ran, tested, and successfully achieved, you know what I mean? So this is having the confidence that your members will enjoy, having the confidence that it's delivered to a high standard. Yeah. And the members will progress, and the members will will enjoy, and, and and the coaches will enjoy delivering. You know that is really cool. So having that piece, the software is great, and we keep working to improve it, right? So, and I'm happy to 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 be part of that too. So those are okay. So be part of that implementation aspect of the software. It's new. It's two years old, I think. Yeah. Right. So it's like there's whole like heaps of room for improvement yeah so it's like that is the truth be be part of great but yeah there's much much to do be part of the i'm not a developer so but to to consider yourself part of the development team exactly yeah so the suggestions are if we have that feature here what can we add that feature there yeah we can make this way you know what i mean from my user experience perspective yeah right so i'm happy to contribute to that too right so that is awesome and also the man like the relationships are really awesome the mentorship you know having close contact with you with Polly, having that uh setting the milestones where are we at that progression where we where we want to be where, where we're at what are the strategies that we're going to use what are the steps that we need to take because you've done it many times yeah and i've also tried doing it my own way some things worked some things didn't yeah but obviously having that that mentorship from someone <clears throat> that's been doing that for longer than you and that is what there's no formal education school that can teach you right so learning from the individuals that really walked down that path is very precious there's no way. And I look forward to the moment that I will be able to mentor other people that wish to to join the Alliance and to be part of this amazing world that we are creating here, you know? So how cool. Yeah, it's it, interesting, right? The first thing you said was programming. And I think it's taken me a long time to realize how important that is. Because, you know, programming was a big deal in the past, but I've written so many programs over the years, right? Decades of programs. And when I'm building out content for the Alliance and thinking what does an ally need, that never comes to mind as being that important. It's like programming. You can fucking find programming anywhere. Like just, you know. Come yeah, you can Google and find programming. Right? Yeah, but, yeah, but you can't. Like you actually can't. Like you can't find good programming anywhere. You yeah, need, no. you know, and, and it really is one of those. I, when I do think back, like, yeah, it's a huge stress in the beginning because you're coaching all the time, you're trying to run your business and you got people showing up five, six, seven times a day at different class times and you got to have fucking something to run. 
that's got to be great. It's it's your product. It's got to be awesome. It's like you come here for the, your favorite food to my restaurant and I got to make sure that every time you eat it, it's delicious. And if I fuck it up one time, you know, that's, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to burn the business over it, but I might lose a customer, right? Mm. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's good to be, for me, it's good to be reminded of how uh, significant that is when you're early on in the gym ownership piece. Yeah, true. <clears throat> well, I mean, also to speak, the, the brand, the brand is, is like all the designs, the font, people speak a lot about the fonts that we use in our, in our materials and the whole thing. Now we got new merch, by the way. I like this. I'm wearing the Jungle 5 Doc T. Jungle 5 Doc T-shirt. Beautiful, bro. Thank you. (laughs) Team already said that it brings out the color of my eyes, which was a lovely compliment. (laughs) That's right. That's it. So that all all those elements that you do or a new business owner would spend time to creating and crafting, like, okay. And it's not ready for you but it's available you know so it's there's a lot of creation there that that you you can be part of but it's also the structure is there the brand is there yeah it's it's um i often try to often sort of go back and forth between we need to give more support to allies such as yourself and then i go the other way which is no i got to teach them how to do it i got to show them but i can't i can't give to them and it's this you know it's like teach a man to fish versus give him fish kind of thing you know and i'm and it's it's something we talk about a lot paul t and myself because you know you look at the franchise model and they don't teach you how to fish they just give you fish they just go this is what you say in your marketing campaign this is the program you're running these are the colors on your walls and they remove any need for you to think in a way. All you need to do is execute. Yeah. We don't want to, we don't want a, you know, a collection of robots. Like that's not, we don't want to, you know, we're not trying to build a thing where people don't have the ability to express themselves, Expression. right, through their place. Yeah. We're, not, we're also not claiming that what we have right now in this fixed moment is the thing. What we have now is great. It'll be different tomorrow. It'll be yeah. different next week, next year. And now what you're doing, it'll be different. It'll feed, you know, there'll be this evolution right that happens for the organism as a whole and so very true so there's always this kind of like sort of polarity between like oh we got to give them that oh no we need to teach them that you know yeah so it's really um yeah it's great i i you know thank you for for allowing us to have to, to have these learnings you know and to be going through this process with you absolutely it's been it's been a massive journey <clears throat> i'm very happy to take it and Yes, the support is there, having the, the mentorship and, as you said, learning, learning how to fish is more important than getting the fish. Tell me, um, tell me what's going on at Jungle 5, Doc. Tell me the links if people are like, yeah, I'm in the hood. I want to check it out. Why, how do they get in touch? The social media, all that stuff. Yeah, awesome. So we are at the gym six days a week, Monday to Friday in 5, Doc. It's right Monday on Saturday, bro. Pardon? Saturday too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Six days a week. Yeah, but you said Did Monday, Monday to Friday. Friday. Monday to Friday with an evening class. Yeah. And Saturday morning. Nice. Yeah. Was, uh, yeah all the morning. We are there. So Jungle 5 Dock, right on the Great North Road, number 87. There's a car, big car park just behind it. Um, and just you can just rock up, visit, or get in touch with us, with me via the Instagram which is the handle is jungle5doc altogether. Then we also have the website jungle5doc.com and my phone number is 0415-617-893. You can send us a message. I'm also, um, yeah, just available. Anyone can reach out, get in touch and see the gym. I'll I'll put a link to uh, I'll put a link to the website and the Instagram stuff in the show notes as well. So if you whatever you're listening on, you can just check the notes if you want to get in touch. Um, yeah. And very much similar deal to here, right? Like come see the gym, come check it out if you want to train. You guys have got a really cool onboarding process and all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. So we we've been running heaps of onboarding processes lately, and we got a few spots left on the Legacy membership, which gives a big discount on the Foundation program, and 
on the membership too. Nice. So yeah, that's um, yeah, just a few spots left. Right, awesome. Fam, get in <laughs> touch. Uh, you'll see Paulie's over there. Tuesday, Thursdays, is he? Paul is on Tuesdays. 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 Yeah, we okay. also got Haley there as well. Awesome. Yeah, Haley's doing heaps of work there too. Mad. It's really cool. Yeah, it's good. It's nice to see the crossover between this gym and yours. Yeah. Bro, good job. Thank you for coming on the show today. I appreciate you sharing. Um, Thank you so much for having me. I uh, the the history of Capoeira is quite tantalizing. It's like <laughs> fucking cool. You know, it's and rich and I love to share it. Yeah, thank you for passing that on. Guys, thank you for listening. Um, go check Pedro's gym out. If you're in the inner west, definitely get on it. Click the links in the show notes. And hey, if you dug the episode, please share it with a friend. Thank you. And we'll see you next time. Cheers.